and be seated. So I have the pleasure of going first tonight. And earlier today, I was trying to think through what it is that I'd like to do and where we're going to go tonight in my thoughts. And I would like to, I'll tell you up front, just kind of play a little bit off of what our pastor was talking about this morning. And for a lack of a better word, what he called his vision casting service this morning as he talked about minding the one. And I want to pick up just something he touched on briefly for a moment this morning and take it a little farther. Sometime last year, and I'd have to go back and look when, I'm not exactly sure it was, I did a just a thought and I called it the the God of enough. Often we talk about our provision and how God takes care of us and we like to think of over an abundance and he does that for us, but there are also times when God provides enough and we see that throughout the scriptures where he met someone's need and he met it at the time of the need. And in fact, it may have seemed like it was coming late to that individual. You can think of different stories, I'm sure, in the scripture. A good example would be the, the widow with her son and Elijah comes and they're starving. And he says, go and you've got a little bit of meal and a little bit of, or we'd say flour and a little bit of oil. And it was enough to make a cake. He says, make me one first. And she does it and he says, but you won't run out. And he was the God of enough. And all throughout this famine, there was enough. It wasn't extreme. It wasn't overabundant, but it was enough. And that struck me earlier that year about how that's not typically how we think about God, but he does provide. And sometimes it's not an overabundance, but it's enough. And he's the God of enough. Tonight, if you can go ahead and put up my slide. I want to take another idea, but let's stop here for just a few minutes and talk about the God of stops. The God of stops. I do not stop well. I'm a workaholic. I will readily admit that myself. This morning, Pastor Stephen said that he was the sons of workaholics and he was a borderline workaholic. That is not true. Ask anybody who works for him. He is a workaholic too. I will just confess for him what he could not bring him. Am I missing a point here? See, executive pastor agrees with me. He likes to work. He delights in work. And most of us who work with him are of the same ilk. That's probably why we're attracted to him, because we like to run. He accused the pastoral team of, what did he call us, sled dogs? I think that was it, over our staff meeting in December, because we just like to run and run and run and run and run. So I will readily admit up front that I am not very good at what I'm about to try and talk about for the next 15, 20 minutes, this idea of the God of stops. But in this last year, as we've talked about this year of Sabbath and how uh, we've tried to slow down, and for those of you who have been around you know what we're talking about. For some of you who may be newer or you've heard this term on and off, I know we've gotten some questions that were submitted to us. Please understand when we say Sabbath, we do not mean in the Levitical priesthood sense of a Sabbath that has to happen on a specific day of the week where you are somehow violating God's covenant and you're in danger of being in a sinful place with God if you do not stop and take a literal 24-hour Sabbath. That's, that's not what we were trying to, if you walked away from this last year and thinking that every seven days you must stop for 24 hours or you're sinning, you missed the point of what we were trying to get at in the last year. It was the idea that God calls us to take breaks and rest, and especially in our society, we go and 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 we, go and we don't breathe and we don't stop. 
And so as a church body over this last year in 2019, we tried to emphasize this idea that God provides for us and he takes care of us. He is the God of enough and that you can take breaks and you need to pause. And so coming out of that, I was in my own time, I will confess to you, praying and asking God and kind of reflecting and asking, what was I supposed to get out of this year? What, where were, what were you trying to show me, God, in this year of Sabbath? And what came back to me, some of you may laugh at this, more than anything else, what came back to me was that you're still not doing it. <laughs> you're not doing it enough. What came back, at least for me, for Desi Lugo, self-professed workaholic, is that I don't stop enough. And I felt God nudging me and saying, you're still trying to do too much. Maybe that year was enough to just get my attention that this is not something I do, but to slow down a little more. And so this morning, as our pastor was talking in his vision sermon about minding the one, and that you cannot be mindful of the one, you cannot be mindful of the neighbor and those around you unless you pick your head up every once in a while. Most of the time, many of us, myself especially, we have our head down, and we're going, and we're going, and we're going, and going, and going, and going. And it's hard to notice the one if all you've got is your head down, and you're just busy working, and you're working, and you're working. So it's hard to mind the one if you don't stop. And I do believe that this is a biblical principle. And so you can go ahead and put up my scripture text, and we're going to jump into Exodus 23, and we're going to read a few verses out of Exodus 23. This comes up multiple different places. This was just a good, succinct, four-verse summary. It's one of the first times that we see in what we call um, the law where these are outlined. And so Moses has come down from Mount Sinai. We start back about Exodus 18, 19. In Exodus 20, we've got the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. We're still part of the same conversation. We're just a little further in that conversation. Exodus 23, and he's describing different various laws and requirements for the nation of Israel. And here he says in these four verses, Exodus 23, starting at verse 14, each year you must celebrate three festivals in my honor. Now notice it says you must celebrate. You must celebrate. Not like, hey, this is a good idea. You should probably consider this. Here's something optional for you to do. They've just come into a covenant relationship with this God who has rescued them out of slavery in Egypt. And he says, you must celebrate three festivals in my honor every year. To use our pastor's language a little earlier today, he said the word party. And we'll get there. I mean, this really probably was a fair description. God says three times a year at a minimum. And later on in Jewish history, it expands to more. But to start with, right at the very beginning, he said three times a year, you will stop. And you must celebrate. Go to the next verse. These festivals in my honor. First, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast, just as I commanded you. Celebrate this festival annually at the appointed time in early spring in the month of Abib, for that is the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. No one may appear before me without an offering. Month of Abib, lunar system, 
Jewish calendar, that would be March or early April. Depends on the year because our calendar is set up a little bit differently. So the first one, if you think annually, is towards the end of March or in early April, depending on the year. You're going to stop, and for a week, you're going to celebrate this festival of unleavened bread. The other name we know that by is the Passover. You're going to celebrate the fact that I rescued you out of Egypt. I have redeemed you. I have taken you out of your slavery, and you will stop for a meal. No. Read it again. How long? Seven days. This is a week. He said annually, you will stop for seven days, and you will celebrate the fact that I rescued you. And I redeemed you. And so this was a very, very high and holy special time in Jewish culture. And it was a commandment from God right from the beginning, right after they've been rescued out of Egypt. Next one. Go to the next verse. That's festival one. Festival two. Second, celebrate the festival of harvest when you bring me the first crops of your harvest. I'm going to stop there for a second. The festival of harvest, depending on what translation you're reading, and even later in the Law of Moses, is sometimes described as the festival of weeks. Or if we jump forward all the way into the New Testament, there's another term that all of us should be familiar with. Festival of harvest, festival of weeks, or the name we mostly know it by, the festival of Pentecost. We're all describing the same event. Festival of Harvest, Festival of Weeks, Festival of Pentecost. And this festival happened at the beginning of the harvest. I don't have time to unpack all of this. But I want you to think of an agrarian society where you plant a crop, or you've got a vineyard, or you have an orchard, and it's an olive grove, or it's almonds, or something else like that, and then it bears its fruit. The grain is produced. The head is ripe. It is now time for harvest. And this is when you go on vacation, right? No, not at all. If you know anything about harvesting, if you know anything about farming, no, that's the time to put your head down and you go to work and you're going to work hard and long, probably from sunup to sundown, because you've got to get in that harvest before it spoils. And yet God speaks to his people and he says, I will provide for you and I'll take care of you. And then when your harvest is ripe, right at the very beginning, as you take your first fruits from your harvest, I want you to stop everything and have a party and bring me that first fruits from your harvest and celebrate with me. I don't have time to go here tonight. It's a shame. We'll have to unpack it some other time. But you think about the fact that it is the festival of Pentecost when God pours out his Holy Spirit, when after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, they have been celebrating a festival that he ordained that says, you bring me your first fruits. The harvest is just starting. And the church is birthed at a party where they are celebrating the harvest as the harvest is starting. There's deep theological significance and symbolism there. But my point tonight is that this one has always kind of amused me when I think about it because now is the time to go. 
Now is the time to put your head down and work, and you've got to get that in out of the field. And God says, great, I want you to stop and have a party. It doesn't even make sense in an agrarian society, but that's what he tells them to do. You bring me the first fruits, literally the first part of your harvest, and you stop as a nation, and you must do this, by the way. If I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people, you will stop as the harvest is ready and you will come celebrate with me. And then still in the middle of that first. And then finally, celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season when you have harvested all the crops from your field. This was sometimes called the festival of ingathering or the festival of shelters or the festival of tabernacles. So all these different names, same festival. And you've probably heard all of these names in different teachings and in reading your Bible. So these three major festivals, one, a week long to celebrate and commemorate the fact that I have rescued you. The second one, right as things are getting really, really, really busy. Stop everything. And then the third one, when you've completed bringing in the harvest, this would have been a couple months later, stop once again. And now that everything's in, take a collective sigh of relief. <sighs> the harvest is in. I have provided for you. You have food for another year. And now celebrate once again. And so built right into the very fabric of this nation, right into its cultural DNA, if you will, God has ordained and he's insisted you must do this. Go to the next verse. At these three times each year, every man in Israel must appear before the sovereign Lord. And then he goes on to give some other commands. I'm just pointing that verse out to emphasize this was not a suggestion. This was mandated, right? They are still at the foot of the mount right here. Think Moses coming down with his Ten Commandments. All of this is happening right now, okay? Right from the very beginning as they enter into a covenant relationship with God. He says you will, at a minimum, stop three times a year and you will celebrate. And if you're going to be my people, I require this of you. And he said at the beginning, everyone must do it. And then after giving his little summary, he says, again, at these three times each year, every man in Israel must appear before the sovereign, before the Lord. So it's not optional. And it's built in this idea of stops, this God of stops. But we don't typically think that way, or at least I don't think that way. I guess I can't presume to think for all of you, but when I think of the God of the universe, when I think of the gospel, when I think about going out and reaching people, I do not think the God of stops. And here we are coming out of a year of rest, this idea of slowing down and taking a break. And even in the first sermon this morning, our pastor was emphasizing to us, and I'm just drawing this out just a little bit more tonight. I've only got about five minutes left. That God calls us to stop. And I'm a worker. I like to work. I, to an unhealthy level, draw my identity and my self-esteem from working and getting stuff done. Some of my favorite things in the world are checklists because I can mark my little stuff off and act like I got something done for the day 
right? And then I became an employee of this church, and it was mandated to me that I will take Mondays off. And so I attacked Mondays with a to-do list. I will stay in bed until 9 o'clock. And I will insist that my family plays at least one board game. And we will sit down and eat at least one meal together as a family because today is the day off. And this is how we're going to do it. How's that for candor? You can ask my wife and my children if that's not true. Because I am a to-do person. And if I'm going to break, well, then we are going to make this work. And I am going to break. Anybody with me? Now, you can laugh, but I see the look on some of your faces because you are just as guilty as I am. But God calls us to stop, and he calls us to take a break. And this, my brothers and sisters, at least for people like me, and I know I'm not the only one in the room, is a great, great walk of faith. Because if God told us that we had to pray an hour every day, and he prescribed that in scripture, there are people out there like me, and we would go attack it, and we can mark it off our list. And if he said, you must read this much scripture every day, we would do it, and we'd get after it. And you must fast this many times a year, we'd get after it. And by the way, you should pray, and you should read scripture, and fasting has value. I'm not speaking against that, but my point is, if it was prescribed, I'd attack it, and I would make it something that I was going to get on my to-do list, and I'd get after it and work at it. But then he says, no, all right, that's enough. I want you to stop. But God, I still have stuff to do. That's enough for now. I, have, I didn't get to all my to-do lists. Let me let you know on a secret. I never finish my to-do list. It's a chronic disease I have. My to-do list is always longer than I will ever get to. For those of you on staff, Asana is the greatest gift and curse that has ever been given to me. Because I can make to-do lists out the wazoo, and I am constantly crushed. And Stephen, if you are listening online, I am constantly crushed under this burden of weight of not finishing my daily to-do lists in Asana. And he will tell me, just move it to tomorrow. But that's cheating. All of you overachievers out there like me, you know that's cheating. It doesn't count when you take your to-do list and just decide you're going to do it tomorrow. Nopes. That don't work. And yet God calls us to stop. Now, we're not the nation of Israel. We don't celebrate Passover. We don't celebrate Pentecost. We don't celebrate the ingathering or final harvest festival in the way that this nation did. But there's a principle here for those who have ears to hear. That God says, work and enjoy your labor, but then stop. And stopping is an act of faith. Because when I stop, I am saying, it's okay. And the world can still survive without me. (gasps) And God's kingdom still goes on. And there are things that I can get done tomorrow because it's enough. And the God of stops whispers to us and says, do you trust me enough to pick your head up and breathe? Do you have enough faith to walk with me and stop and enjoy rest? Do you trust me enough to pick your head up and look around and see who I put in your path? Well, I got too much to do. No, you don't. No, you don't. I do not. 
Now, I think I have too much to do. Let me let you in on another little secret. That Asana list that I never finish every day is still there the next day. And except for a very few time-sensitive things, most of it actually can wait till tomorrow. I just don't want to wait till tomorrow. Because I have more to do and more I could get done. And in this last year, trying to work out whatever this means, this whole idea of Sabbath, which I'm still not very good at. So hear me, employee of New York UPC, connections pastor, whatever title you want to give me, I'm not good at this at all. I still don't like it. I'm not thrilled with it. And yet I hear God prodding me saying, breathe. Slow down, Desi Lugo. You're still doing too much. Take a breath. Turn off your computer and go play a game with your kids. Read a book. Go talk to your neighbor. Invite someone over. Spend time with people. I am the God of stops. And I'm telling you, it's okay to stop. In fact, I'm insisting that you stop. So this year, as we come into 2020, as we're going to try and mind the one, I'm speaking tonight to all of you workers out there like me. Now, my wife, she can work, but she likes to relax too, and I probably make it torturous at times. And there are some of you who are better at play, as our pastor talked about this morning. Some of you are better at celebrating. You're going to have to be patient with the rest of us, because some of us are not very good at that. But God calls us to that. Yes, he wants us to work. Yes, we are to be about the master's business. Yes, there is much to do. Yes, the fields are white with harvest. And I can get on my favorite verses and I can tell you how we need to be going doing kingdom work. And God's saying, chill out. Desi Lugo, you're still doing too much. You're still going too fast. You're still frantic and hurried. And you need to stop doesn't mean stop everything. It means take breaks. It means that's enough for today. You can pick it up tomorrow. Or better yet, that's enough for today. Take tomorrow off. It'll still be there 48 hours from now. And it's in those pauses, I am convinced that this year, it is in the stops, not in the frantic activity. In Jesus' name, now listen, I speak to you prophetically as a congregation. You don't normally hear me speak this way, but this is not an offhanded comment. I say to you under the unction of the Holy Spirit tonight that this year in 2020, for this congregation, it will be in the stops where we see growth. It will be in the stops where we see new people. It will be in the stops where all kinds of learning takes place, it will be in the stops where God will speak to you clearly. And so I challenge all of you who are like me, for the rest of you who are not like me, please be patient with us. But for those of us who just like to go and go and go and go and go, I challenge you that in 2020, 
as we mind the one, it will be in the stops where we will see God show up far more than we ever expected. Amen. All right. At this time, if the ushers can come, you can go ahead and stand.